The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. This episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is brought to you by PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the FE and PE exams. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the FE and PE exams the first time. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. When you take a live online course, PPI guarantees you will pass or you can take the on-demand course for free. PPI's reputation and history sets them apart. PPI has helped engineers achieve their licensing goals since 1975. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. Again, that's ppi2pass.com. It's not easy for us busy geotechnical engineers to stay up with industry trends while keeping up with our engineering work. And therefore, it's our goal at the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast to help you do just that. We strive to keep our listeners informed with important industry topics and also to educate you on interesting technical topics and trends in the geotechnical world. In this episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast, I'll be talking with Sonia Sarabella Swift, PE, Civil Engineer and Director of Engineering at Menard Group USA. She has over 15 years of experience in ground improvement design, excavation support design, subsurface investigations, construction observation, and engineering analysis. We'll be talking about how engineers can effectively manage remote teams, as this has become now more part of the norm, especially in the world of engineering. I'm your host, Jared Green, and I'm excited to be bringing you yet another episode of the Geotechnical Engineering Podcast. And with that, let's jump right into today's episode. Sonia, how are you? Thank you for coming on the show. Good. Thank you. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about what you do on a daily basis at Menard? At Menard, I'm providing a lot of technical support to the design team and overseeing the design team, um, getting involved in tricky different projects that, that may have issues with them or when the, the team just needs a little bit more support or background, I'm typically providing that. I'm also involved in leadership at Menard, and so I'm getting involved in global conversations and and working on how the different departments and regions collaborate with each other. So it's a little bit of everything, which keeps it fun and exciting. Nice. And you said you're working with people all over the world, so I imagine there's a remote component to that. There certainly is. Um, we work with our teams in France pretty often, and we also just acquired a, a team in California. So that makes it a little bit challenging, even just scheduling meetings. It's something that we need to be aware of is what time zones people are in, especially when you're trying to get someone in California on a call with someone in France. What would you say is the hardest part of when you're working remote, just leadership and management in general? What are some of the challenges? The morale and kind of loneliness, like the human aspect of it gets difficult because people are 
they feel more remote and disconnected from whether it's the company or their group or their managers. And so I think really making sure that we're paying attention to the people as people and not just what they need from a working perspective is really important. Trying to keep a group feel when everyone is spread out can be really challenging, especially for people who don't like working remotely. That can be difficult. I guess with the pandemic, a lot of us have been kind of forced to figure out how to lead remotely. Now, were you leading remotely before the pandemic? I was. I've been with Menard for almost five years and have been working from my home for that entire time. For me, it was the pandemic was almost a good thing in terms of remote work because everyone was forced into the same situation that I was in. And I wasn't missing out on conversations that were happening in the office. I wasn't missing out on kind of the, the casual water cooler chat that was going on. From that aspect, it made it a little bit easier, but obviously trying to get everyone on the same page when people are all over the place and not necessarily in an office environment where at the beginning of the pandemic, people were working on fold out tables and in chairs that weren't comfortable, didn't have all their monitors and all of that. So trying to get everyone to a point where they were being fully productive because they could be, they were in an environment where they could be fully productive. That was the initial challenge during the pandemic. So were you responsible for like working with HR to help them to do any of that? Or you just said, this is what I need for my teams. That was how we handled it. The company was really flexible in terms of if, you know, if people need certain things uh, or if they can go back to the office for half an hour and grab whatever it is that they need, then they should do that so that they're working comfortably and they're able to be fully optimized, you know, that their time is being used optimally. You did hint at just this notion of making sure that people feel like they're a part of a team. I mean, how do you do that? If you're not able to have that water cooler talk, how do you facilitate that remotely? Are you setting up calls with random people and having them kind of check in on one another? Like, what are some of the things you're doing? We have Microsoft Teams at Menard, and so I use that a lot. We have a design team chat that we're that we use to communicate with the whole team, and that's everything from technical questions to this cool thing I saw on the web to some a picture that of something we did over the weekend. And the idea there is, again, to connect as, as people and as humans and to kind of bond within the team. At the beginning of the pandemic, we tried having an open meeting every week where it was totally casual and you, there was no agenda and we all just got on the phone and chatted. And that didn't actually work as well as I would have thought. Because there was a lot of dead air time and people didn't really know what to say and we were busy, so it, it wasn't a priority. Later on, we started doing biweekly meetings with a team that had more of an agenda and were focused mainly on return on experience within the team. Um, so team members sharing things that they've learned, problems that they had within their region, and just sharing information with each other. It was also a time for me to make announcement to the teams in terms of things that were changing, things that I've seen happen within the region. Menard is regionalized, so the designers are not necessarily speaking to each other on a daily basis. 
some of them are, but not all. But I oversee all of the regions and work with all of the regions, which gives me a different perspective. So I can kind of see what global issues are happening or happening over and over again and address them. And, you know, that's a great venue for it. The other thing I've started doing was uh, sending out a design news email to the technical staff. And again, that generally I try to add in one fun tidbit, background of Groundhog Day or, or something kind of silly, but light. And then again, it's a time to announce these great webinars that are coming up, or we've changed the structure of something or just anything that technical staff may need to know. And it's a time to bring people together, but also to make sure that everyone's getting the same information at the same time so that there isn't a lot of misinformation or people hearing things third hand. It's definitely helped. I've gotten good feedback on that as well. So it's like, I mean, I guess as engineers, right? It's like the more systematic we can be, the more intentional we could be, the better outcomes. So that sounds really awesome. What would you say is the most effective way to communicate when you're trying to communicate with team members and you're remote and you're in different time zones? What do you find to be the most effective way? The most effective thing I've found is really having set times to check in with people and being really present during those times and picking up on when it seems like somebody needs you to check in again. The most effective way to communicate is to communicate often and to be able to tell when you need to communicate a little bit more with a certain person. But I think having set meetings within the week where you know you're going to talk to a certain group of people is really helpful. We all get busy and days and weeks just evaporate. So unless you make a conscious effort, something, you know, the communication is going to get dropped. When it's a, a set time, you can get prepared for it. <laughs> and that, I guess that does help with the stress level too. So that's good. Absolutely. What changes do you think have happened in the working environment that have helped with remote management? The use of platforms like this and Microsoft Teams has been incredibly helpful. When the pandemic happened, I think a lot of people were forced to start using these ways of communicating that they hadn't been using before. But the ability to chat with someone, to get quick ideas, quick topics, quick polls on things, to really be able to stay in constant communication with people and also to be able to catch up on things, see what messages were posted when you're away. That's also helpful because it, it helps you stay in tune. Not everything has to be immediate and live. You can catch up on things at, at your own pace, but I think that that helps. And it certainly helps in terms of keeping track of what people are doing and, and how they're doing and what they may be struggling with. Even the lack of appearance on some of these platforms, you know, you notice that you haven't heard from someone who's usually pretty vocal in, in a week and maybe that's time to check in. So I think it's just paying attention to those little things, but making sure that we're using the platforms that we have to some extent it's a fine line because we don't want to use them so much that we're not talking to people anymore and just assigning tasks or sending little clips. But at the same time, they're very useful if you can use them in moderation. You talked about the pace and I've heard that having some of the trainings recorded has been very helpful for staff when they can come back. Like Perhaps they watched the training, but they didn't really remember everything. They can go back to the training and then watch it at their own pace. And I think that that has been something that's definitely been helpful that 
perhaps we weren't recording things before because it's like everybody's live. You missed it. You missed it. Definitely. We've certainly been doing that with training sessions and have gotten great feedback, even how to type things that we've recorded. I've had people tell me, you know, I've been doing it and stopping the video and doing what I need to do and then moving on and kind of doing it together with that recording. That's something I never thought of doing 10 years ago, even five years ago. So it's definitely good change. The team atmosphere, I think that when we start thinking about remote or hybrid, I think that that's usually what people get worried about is how do you maintain the team? How do you maintain company culture? I mean, what are some of the things you hinted at some of the things you're doing, but how do you make sure you're still going to have a team environment when you're remote? That's really hard. The way I go about it is from the personal aspect. And I think I alluded to it before, really getting those connections, those personal connections and seeing people as people and being able to make people feel comfortable, comfortable with each other and comfortable sharing, but also comfortable sharing ideas about the work that we're doing or ways that we can improve things or change things within the group. I'm often asking for help or for the team's thoughts on things, right? In order to effectively manage a group that's spread all over the place, you have to make sure that they're happy with what they're doing and with the input that they have. It doesn't really matter what I want because I'm not the person doing the work every day, but the group has to be happy with what they're doing, the rules that we're setting, the guidelines, the tools that we're using. Everyone's not going to be happy 100% of the time, but I think giving people some ownership in things and involving them in the decisions as opposed to telling people, this is how we're going to do things, we're going to change something. I think that goes a long way because when it inevitably happens is people start forming little groups to work together to solve a problem or to come up with a better way of doing things. And so that fosters those relationships further. It's interesting. There's nothing like the face-to-face, but if you don't have the face-to-face, it's like, how do you find a way to make sure it's still going to work? I mean, you're showing us it is possible, right? You have people in different parts of the world and you're working together. So it is possible, but I think you really do have to be intentional. I agree. When we think about the future of remote work, and a lot of people are saying, when are we going to return back to normal? When are we going to return back to normal? But I think in the uh, engineering industry, as problem solvers, we're seeing that the future is going to involve some remote work. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, I think it offers people a lot of flexibility. Most of the other engineers that I've talked to have said that their companies are looking to go back in some form of a hybrid model where people are working together a few times a week. And I think while that's great, we still need to make that effort to be able to spend time with people in person whenever we can. I do hope that once we return or can return to offices more often, People are taking advantage of those few days where they can have that personal interaction. And whether it's coming up with a schedule or setting a lunchtime once a week to continue to really foster those relationships, not only with our coworkers, but also with clients and team members, making field visits when possible for people whose project, whose jobs involve getting back out in the field. But I think all of us have seen, you can certainly be just as efficient working remotely. It takes a little bit more effort. It takes a little bit more outgoingness, I guess, and kind of initiative to reach out to people, but it can be done. 
And when you think about when you're back together again, people, are, they long for that personal connection, right? So it's like for those two days, three days, whatever it is, you're in the office or on the job site, it's like make the best of that, like you said, right? <laughs> exactly. Right. Don't go into the office for the sake of going into the office if no one else is there. Really use that time to get that, inter- that personal interaction. Before we take our break, what's the final piece of advice you'd give to engineers that are listening in right now? I would say be flexible. Be flexible with yourself and with your ideas on where you're going and what you're doing in your career. And don't think too far ahead. I've found that a lot of things that happen within your career tend to happen kind of gradually and you you don't really notice it or your thoughts just change. And it's hard to predict where you're going to be personally and professionally in five to 10 years. And so focus on what you're doing and do the best job you can on the work you're doing today. And don't worry too much about where that's going to take you and how that's going to impact you. It'll all work out. It'll filter through and you'll end up somewhere maybe that you never expected, but that's great anyway. Thank you so much. That's a good note for us to pause on. We're going to come right back in just a minute and close this one out with Sonia and our career factor safety in segment. Stick around. All right, welcome back. It's time for our career factor safety in segment. In geotechnical engineering, just like many disciplines of engineering, it's important to incorporate a factor of safety into your design. But what about incorporating a factor of safety into your career? Today, of course, we're speaking with Sonia Sorabella Swift, PE. Sonia, you've already had a very successful career. And when you look back at your career, what's something that you've implemented into your career to give yourself a factor of safety for your career? The thing that stands out most is the people. I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by great people, both peers and mentors that have been able to help me throughout my career and support me when I wasn't feeling great, when things weren't going well, when there were big changes in my life, getting married, having kids, that not only impacts you as a person, but it impacts you professionally and what the balance is going to be between work and your personal life. And I think having people around me that could give me insight into that, offer advice, and just be there as a a sounding board is invaluable. You know, it's almost like it takes a village to grow a career when you think about it, right? Absolutely. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for coming on and thank you for sharing all the great insights. You share great information. I know this advice is going to be helpful for our listeners. If a listener wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you on social media or an email you want to share? My email is fswift at menardusa.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. Please feel free to go to geotechnicalengineeringpodcast.com, where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, that being episode 44, as well as any of the links, resources, or websites or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, we wish you the very best in all your geotechnical engineering endeavors. Peace. The Geotechnical Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the host and guests, not their employers. 
For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineers, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.